Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The last of the old-time fairground shows... The last of the old-time circus sideshows and auditoriums. It's an indigenous American art form, according to the Smithsonian Institution, truly a vanishing part of Americana, because, my friends, you are looking at the last one. There are eight weeks left on the tour for this show, and it closes at the end of October forever in Pensacola, Florida. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. Today's topic, and next week's podcast actually, we're going to talk about finding great ideas. And this is this will be part one. So from the moment I met Lane, I was struck by how many ideas she had. Always. She never shuts down. Every visit to the grocery store, every walk around the block, every brief she reads in the paper, every conversation with her mother, she's thinking about what would make a great story. And lucky for us, since she's in high demand as a speaker, she has some pointers to passes along. She says these are things your editor would never tell you, but speaking just for me, I would. Um, but here we go. Number one in Lane's How to Find Great Ideas, talk to strangers. Tell us about that. <laughs> I think that everybody has a story, you know, and and my job is just to unlock that and give permission to tell that story. And I feel like a lot of my introduction to people is, is like, your story's going to be so much better than the one I'm working on right now. Tell me your story, you know, and just letting people know that, that their story is worth being told and shared um, is a huge gift to get someone and a really easy way to get them to open up. Um, and I... I know that there are people, like St. Petersburg has so many old people that walk around and see the same people on the bench on the, you know, or sitting at the beach or feeding the seagulls or whatever. And there's all these iconical figures in our community that everybody wonders about and nobody asks about. So I think it's important if, if you're curious because somebody starts your eye and other people have seen the same person, then heck yeah, I'd walk up to them and and ask them to tell their story, you know, sit beside them on a bench or sidle up through the publics and, and just strike up a conversation. And it's kind of amazing how many things you'll find out that way. And you are always drawn to people that the rest of us ignore. I mean, it's like really, on a, you're walking down the street, you look up and you're like, the rest of us look down. And there's kind of like, oh, that person seems weird. Um, but you like, you're like, it seems to me like you're like, it just makes you more interested in and the folks that don't get a lot of attention. Yeah, I definitely have always been drawn to people in the shadows. Like, I thought at first I wanted to go cover celebrities and not so much anymore. Because what are they going to tell you that they haven't already told everybody? Or isn't canned. Yeah. Or isn't canned or you have to pull out of them for some reason. But I think growing up, my mother always made assumptions about people. Like she felt she understood who this person was no matter how foreign they were or how similar they were. She, I know what their deal is. And so I think I grew up wanting to go, no, you don't. 
<laughs> you don't know who that person is. You don't know what their deal is. Like, as a reporter, you get to find out. You get right. to ask questions. I mean, it's like a license to be as nosy as you want to be, you know? And, and I love that part of my job. And people tell you. <laughs> it's amazing how much they tell you. So Elmer Wright is like... Describe Elmer Wright for people before we're going to read a little little piece of this story. But I think this was when this was an early story when you got to St. Pete. I think you found this guy because I remember you, I, you. I think we were talking and catching up, and you were telling me about him being this sort of character that it was. Uh, you tell it. So what what was he like? Well, this was one of the first stories I wrote for the St. Pete Times. I had just moved down to Florida with my two little boys who were two and four at the time, and. I took him to the pier, which was like the touristy place to go on Tampa Bay, this big long pier with shops and fishermen and stuff. And there was this old man out there basically pulling a wagon with a little box speaker and an old beat up guitar. And he had like a Jesus Saves belt. And he had a big old straw cowboy hat with like a American flag bandana around it. And he's sitting on the pier and he's playing this old beat up guitar. And everyone's walking by him, and no one's listening to him, and he was terrible. He was like, he was a terrible singer, he was a terrible guitar player, he was a terrible musician, and no one was listening to him. But my little boys stopped because he was like an oddity, and they were kind of like, well, who the heck is that man? You know, he's just so odd to look at. And uh, he reached out to my son and gave him this red cassette tape. And it's, uh, he was like, oh, honey, you know, you can take these home and listen to my songs at home. I'm thinking, like, walk away, kids. You know, <laughs> walk away. And I looked in at the cassette, and we got back to the car, and it said, Elmer Wright, been playing on the pier since 1965. And I was like, holy cow, he's been playing out there longer than I've been alive? So I came back to the newspaper the next week, and I said, does anybody know that old man in the cowboy hat and the Jesus saved belt? And they're like, oh, my God, he's been out there forever. He's out there every weekend, rain or shine, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, have we ever written about him? And, oh, sure, I'm sure we've written about him. And my friend who's a researcher here, Karen Baird, went back through the clips with me and was like, oh, no, we've never written about this guy. So here was a guy that everybody in the newsroom had seen for years on end, and it was a, a public figure, as, if you will, out there playing in the most crowded touristy place in St. Pete, and no one knew his deal. So I went out the next Saturday, and I sat out with Elmer for the day. And then at the end, I asked him, well, I always ask everybody, can I come home with you? And I went back to his little partner with him and reported the story. It was basically like, I don't know, two days. When my savior called, I would answer. When he called for me, I was here. When my savior called, I would answer. I'll be somewhere listening for my name. I'll be somewhere, listening, I'll be somewhere, listening, I'll be somewhere, listening for my name. I'll be somewhere, listening, I'll be somewhere, listening, I'll be somewhere. I'm just laughing, thinking about this old man's report. Can I come home with you? Like, wait, what? Sure, uh, yeah. I guess. <laughs> then he shows me into his bathroom. And Hello. <laughs> I mean, I was always went to people's bedrooms and bathrooms, but... Uh, Fair he, warning, people. I asked him, <laughs> I asked him, where do you record your songs? And he basically put down the lid of the toilet and sat down. And he would oh, God. Boombox up on the sink, and he would sit on the toilet, and that's where he recorded his songs. So, uh, this is the... the I'll, I'll let Lane take a, a drink, but this is the beginning of Elmer Wright's story, right? So, uh... Okay, so this story was called Still Shining. On the south side of the city pier, across from the hot dog stand, the old man parks his pushcart. He pulls out a metal folding chair, ties two corduroy cushions on the seat, 
unloads an amplifier, a microphone, a fistful of chords. Then he takes out his battered guitar. It's a sunny Friday about 2 p.m. A light breeze is rippling the bed. Sea green trolleys are climbing back. Hundreds of people are parading past the old man. Big feathers sprout from his red straw cowboy hat. Striped paper clips and painted hearts circle its blue ribbon brim. Thick square glasses magnify his milky gray eyes. His nose is long, his ears oversized. His head looks too heavy for his body. It seems to sink into his stooped shoulders, maybe from the weight of his hat. He says he's just under five foot six, just six inches under. All angles and joints, 108 pounds. He's having to wear his yellow ruler suspenders, plus the Jesus saves belt just to hold up his dirty dungarees. But he's drinking more buttermilk, hoping to bulk up. He says he's still got a lot of songs to sing. He's 86 and a half. Howdy, he shouts, leaning into the microphone. I'm on my right, and if it's all right with you fine folks, I'd like to sing a few songs. No one seems to notice. Right starts strumming. Oh, when the saints come marching in, oh, when the saints come marching in, his voice crackles through the speaker. Wind carries it across the water. Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number when the saints come marching in. What was the reaction to that story? He got a girlfriend out of it. <laughs> Lane DeGregory, Match.com. She really wanted to meet him. No. Him, but they ended up getting married. Wow. Oh, my God. That was like the happiest ending ever. But a lot of people <laughs> in the studio were like, oh, my God, I know who that guy is. Like, I, I bet guy. more people stopped after they read the story. Yeah. Hopefully you ran out of red cassettes. <laughs> All right. Pointer number two was play hooky. Yeah, I think um, – I find a lot of my best stories when I'm not looking for them, you know. I very seldom had an editor who would just be like, go out and look for a story, you know. So it's usually when I'm out with my husband or out with my kids or out with my girlfriend that I see something that catches my eye or we talk about something that sparks an idea or something like that. I, I don't think um, any of my favorite stories came from an assignment. Were you were you always naturally curious? I mean, even as a kid, absolutely. Were you like the, Were you like roaming and like your parents had to wrestle you and keep you from wandering off and stuff? And I think <laughs> the other way around. I was kept very on a tight leash, and I wanted to roam uh-huh. really bad. And I wasn't supposed to talk to these type of people or to go to this type of neighborhood. And so, when I got old enough to do that on my own, it was like hell yeah, open the doors, <laughs> let me out of here. You know, um, I'm, I'm insatiably curious and nosy and I like to interview everybody. My my husband's always telling me, stop it, I my friends. You know, my kids, I think, don't even bring people home sometimes because I'll, I'll sit them down and want to get their life story out of them before they can go, you know, play PlayStation or whatever. Sorry, Mrs. T, this has turned into a therapy session about Lane's childhood. <laughs> All right, number three, pointer number three, read the walls. Yeah, I mean... I've always done that. Um, one of the things I loved most about being in college was that there were like billboards and placards for every single thing you could think of plastered on the walls, plastered on the, the sidewalks, plastered on the, the dorms. And so you could get a story idea like going to the bathroom, you know, like <laughs> every time we go to the cafeteria, there'd be another poster up there to look at. Um, but that translates into real life too. Like you can walk in a Panera and any city in the world and there's a community bulletin board of people selling tuba lessons or wanting to come and get the raccoons out of your attic or whatever it is that people put up these little billboards for, you know, or placards for. So, and I also read the walls meaning um, bad newspapers, you know, bad shoppers, all these little freebie advertorials and stuff people don't know that they have inside of those publications. And I find a lot of good stories in bad publications. Sit the bench. That's number four. 
Yes, sit the bench is something I have a really hard time doing. It basically means shut up and watch, <laughs> shut up and listen. Um, and it's something I have to remind myself in every interview to just shut up and let things unfold around me. Not ask 27 questions for everything somebody says, but let them finish their thought and then come back and ask the 26 follow-up questions. You have it under there, like, eat lunch alone. Like, just sit in a place and just... Eavesdropping, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm a great eavesdropper. And uh, I, I, I like to know what people are talking about, you know, and people talk loudly, <laughs> especially at lunchtime restaurants, bars, you know. I, I mean, I think that's another one on there. But, yeah, I, I have no problem eavesdropping. Number five is make freaky friends. Yeah, I... I uh, I think a lot of young reporters hang out with young reporters, you know, and you're not going to get a story from the guy on the cop beat next to you. You might make a friend, but you're not going to find a story. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. That way. So I think uh, the more diverse your set of acquaintances and friends are, uh, the more diverse your story ideas are going to be, you know. Um, my husband is in a Grateful Dead cover band, so he's got a lot of freaky friends, and, and it's, it's really a different world than the Junior League or the Rotary Club or whatever, you know, you're drawn to thinking this is where the civic stuff is supposed to be happening. There's a lot that happens at bowling alleys and, you know, late night dive bars. I think, I think we, I, I always remember talking to younger reporters about, like, that's, business can be a disservice when you're so focused on work and you're always here or and you know you're not experiencing life and you're not seeing what's happening out there and you can't sort of empathize with what's going on because yeah your world is actually very very small when you're when you're you know too stuck on too focused on work um under that make freaky friends one of the examples that lane highlights is uh the last sideshow so talk a bit little bit about that story um how you found it and then and then we have a little piece we'll read from that yeah that, I, I should include in that make freaky friends photographers are very good freaky friends <laughs> and, and a lot of my good stories because they're a little different they, yes they see the world in a different way they're out and about doing different things you know and more left brain yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're very visual you know so this, this story came about um <laughs> photographer here at the time when Scott Keeler was doing a history piece about this old Tamiami Trail, the first uh, road that went basically north to south in, in Florida. And uh, he called me one night uh, on his cell phone and he's like, Lane, what are you doing? I was like, I don't even know what I was doing. He goes, well, you know what I'm doing? I'm sitting at the Showtime Bar and Grill and having a beer and a hot dog with the fat man and the midget. And they're crying. <laughs> he's like, they're about to go on the road for the very last time with their sideshow. You want to come along? Now, who say no to that? I'm going on the road. And, of course, Scott knew who to call. Scott <laughs> called me right up. I got first dibs on that story. The paper sent us to Allentown, Pennsylvania, with the very last sideshow that was traveling to the great Allentown County Fair. And the man who had been the... Um, the ringmaster uh, had run away to join the circus when he was like a kid so he'd been on the road with the circus for 60 something years 
this is the beginning of the story. First, the sword swallower left to join a renaissance fair. Then the fat man got sick and started losing weight. The midget has high blood pressure, so he can eat fire only a couple times a day now. It's tough trying to hold on to America's last sideshow. Past the tilt world, over by the airbrush t-shirts, Ward Hall is sitting in his van, in the dark, petting his old dog, Springer. He's parked in the empty space where his sideshow's supposed to be. They should have been here by now. Chris and Jimmy and Pete the midget. They should have set up the tents, built the stage, dusted off the living half-girl. Ward pulls off his Panama hat, runs his fingers through his thinning hair. He drove four days from Gibsonton to get here. He had to sell some of his treasures to buy gas. The two-headed duck and a shrunken head. He got $50 for his six-legged frog. He pulled into Pennsylvania at daybreak. It's almost midnight now, and he's still waiting for his sideshow to show. Ward unbuttons his red polyester jacket. He loosens the knot on his American flag tie. He keeps watching out the windshield, hoping for headlights. Through the open window of his van, he smells chickens. This year, fair organizers stuck him out by the poultry barn. Um, I re- that was a great story. I remember that story. And how, like, I think you had said somewhere in that story that now kind of the freak shows have been replaced by reality shows and things on TV, right? I mean, that's why they kind of have fallen by the wayside. Yeah, he was basically saying, you know, the, the lady with the alligator skin went to a dermatologist when the guy with the third arm got an arm cut off. And there's more tattooed women at Baby Beach than there is ever in his sideshow before. So freaks weren't freaking people out anymore, and uh, they were getting fixed. I love that the photographer knew exactly who to call for that sh- for that story. Um, number six is get a life, which we sort of talked about already, but that same idea, right? I mean, just and be a joiner. I think you know. I think if, if you're interested in something, even if it's not your inclination to like join a club, join a damn club because it's like. We had a kid who was a copy clerk here who was on a father-son bowling team every Monday night. Hardly anybody goes bowling, right? But every Monday night, there's a group of fathers and sons met together to bowl. And every Tuesday, Chris would come to the office and have a story idea for me. You know, like, if you're into making homebrew, join a homebrew club. If you're into scrapbooking, join a scrapbooking club. Because then you've got another six, eight, ten people in your world who are not part of the newspaper, who probably are not part of, like, civic-minded Lions Club people who are then bringing 10 or 12 other people's lives to tap into and coming back with other stories you know they, they right. I find people like to go oh my friend the journalist would love to tell your story you know and so they pimp me out to people or or serve as a um a conduit to get people to open up for me so yeah get get a life and be a joiner I think number seven ignore important people yeah I mean I I would I'm not saying no if he asked me to sit down with Brad Pitt for a few minutes and an <laughs> I, but I, I don't think he's going to tell me anything he hasn't already told like Joan Rivers 20 times you know and I think the, the important people stop being interesting once they become important because you know enough about them to know they're important for whatever reason I don't I, I don't like doing those types of stories anymore if I get assigned an important person now I try to look around them and find somebody who's got something at stake in that story but isn't that important person like we, when we covered the floods down in Princeville North Carolina it was like pre-Katrina but the same kind of thing a hurricane and they flooded out this little African-American town to keep the white town from 
not getting flooded. And Jesse Jackson was coming to town. Every reporter and their brother wanted to be on the boat with Jesse Jackson. And I think we have a picture of the back of Jesse Jackson at the front of the boat. But I sat and interviewed the man driving the boat because he grew up there. And he could tell you this is where the, my church was down here and my grandmother's home is down here. And we would, you know, we used to go cook chicken on that grill down there that's floating up in the trees now. And it was so much better of a story to find the guy who cared about the town than just the politician who'd come to make a photo op. When Lane and I first worked together, we worked with a movie critic who always used to complain that we would write about nobodies, and he always wrote about somebodies. Um, but, but yes, we had a whole team of people who cared about nobodies. <laughs> um, number eight on your list, what a segue, celebrate losers. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think we always write about the people that win or the people whose dreams come true. And those are great, feel-good stories. But I think a lot of times the the more human story or the more um, meaningful story comes when people don't get their wishes or they think that their life is going down one trajectory and then something screws it up and they've got to regroup and figure out who they are or, or what they're supposed to be doing. Or the story is the journey, not the not the not not what happened at the end. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, number nine, you say, wonder who would ever. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's, this is the, probably the easiest and best tip on there for young reporters. There used to be um, an advertising campaign on the radio for uh, Bud Light, I think. And it was like, here's to you, Mr. Golf Ball Picker-Upper. And here's to you, Mr. Wrestling Costume Designer. And I'd be driving down the road just cracking up at the radio thinking, Oh my God, somebody's job is to go get golf balls out of a pond. Oh my God, some fashion designer made a cake for Hulk Hogan. Like, were they proud of that? You know? And it just, then I fell in love with Mike Rowe, who does the Dirty Job show on TV. And so I just thought, every time there's a weird job out there that you think, who the heck would do that? Then there's a story behind that. And there's an easy story behind there because you can just follow that person from the start of their job to the end of their job. You have a natural arc, a natural narrative, a natural frame for it, and a, a character that from the beginning people are going, what the hell? Why would you want to be the guy who scoops up condoms off the beach every morning? Like someone has a job that they do that. And it's just such a fun, easy way to tell a people's story or a story about something in the community that you might not think about. What a plan B for all you journalists looking for another job. <laughs> I take it you would interview Mike Rowe if you had that opportunity. I, yes. I love him. Okay. I love how he does the stories with the people. He's not afraid to get dirty himself. You know, well, that's the whole point. Yeah. Okay. All right. And number 10, hang out at bars or coffee shops. But you prefer bars, I yeah, guess. That's my favorite yeah. Much. <laughs> I, I don't think you can go to a bar and not find a story. Everybody in the bar is telling stories. And for the price of a long neck Budweiser, you know, you can bribe a story out of almost anybody. Um, I have lots of friends who are bartenders, and they bring stories to me, too, because people are always swapping stories at bars. And, you know, you can you can pick a demographic. You can go to a super fancy, like, cocktail martini bar. You can go to a warm beer on the side of the road dive bar, and you get a whole different demographic of people uh, just by where you choose to have your drink. So tell the bar story real quick. So we'll finish this. We'll come back to the next podcast. We'll have uh, 10 more pointers. But tell the bar story real quick. The, the the guy who was robbed. Yeah. yeah, so I have a little bar. It's not there anymore. It was right by my house, and I would stop by there sometimes on my way home if I didn't have to pick my kids up right away when they were little. And uh, I go in there one time, and there's this whole group of guys slapping this guy on the back. Tell your story again. Tell your story again. I'm like, okay, I committed exactly the right time because they were all egging them on to tell the story. Um, and it was basically he had 
he was in a band called Bacon Fat. <laughs> they played for three beers. They didn't pay for money. But he got some tips that night, and he had, like, I don't know, $14, $15 in his wallet. He, he's my garbage man, by the way, this guy. He drove the garbage truck in my town. And um, he was telling his friends that he'd gone home the night before and fallen asleep in front of the TV watching the tide tables. He was going fishing in the morning, early in the morning. And there's a knock on the door, and there are these two young, beautiful girls uh, barefoot, and they say, we need to use your cell phone. Uh, are we just going to keep out of a car? We need a ride. Can you come in and use your phone? And he's like, no, but I'll, I'll give you my phone. You guys stay right there, and I'll go get it. So he goes into his house, in his kitchen, and he comes out, and the girls are in his living room, and they're eating his pizza. And he's like, what, what the heck? I, I told you, you know, I would bring you the phone. And they're like, oh, don't worry. We're not armed. And they flashed him. They pulled up their shirts, and they flashed him. So he's telling these guys at the bar that he goes in and tells his wife, like, oh, my God, you can't believe it that while you're asleep, these two girls come in, they use the phone, and they just flashed me. And the wife said, where's your wallet? And sure enough, they stole his wallet. And it's fourteen dollars that he made from bacon fat chips, and they've gone on their merry way. And uh, he said, "I said, did you call the cops?" And he's like, "Of course I called the cops." And so I went and pulled the police report. I don't know if I would have written it if it hadn't been a police report, but I went and pulled the police report, and it basically says uh, the description of these two young women, twenty-something blonde. I can't really tell you what they look like, but they were both thirty-six Ds. <laughs> And I was like, I mean, an hour of reporting, maybe an hour of writing, and that was one of the best received stories I've done here because it was just such a fun bar story. All right. On that note, uh, next week we'll we'll finish. We'll talk uh, ten more ten more uh, suggestions, pointers for ideas. So if you have a question for Lane. Um, Email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. Join us next week, Wednesday morning, for the next episode. This podcast was produced by Denise Keenan. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.